0: Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bowmartonic.
1: Hey everyone, happy September. That means a lot of us are heading west, or in my case, by the time that this podcast airs, I will be already in the high country of Colorado. Hopefully with uh, my eyes on on a bull or or any elk, in, in, I guess, in that uh, case. So I'll be spending 15 days in the high country uh, doing a little bit of hunting with my dad and some friends of mine that I'll meet up with later in the trip. And maybe a few days in the middle there by myself. But I'm extremely excited for that and can't wait. But before I get into this podcast here with my, my good friend and buddy, Brandon Hall from North Carolina, I wanted to cover a few things here. So with me being gone uh, the next couple of weeks here, there will be this podcast released and then there will not be one the following week until I get back. So I, I thought about finding a way of releasing it and kind of timelining it, but I, I figured that... With the timeliness and some of the topics that I want to cover here, it would just be best for me to, to roll that out when I get back. So while I'm out there, I'm going to be attempting to record a podcast every night or at least every couple nights of the experience of that day. So as soon as I get back, I can produce, edit the podcast and release them on a daily basis to almost make you feel like you're you know a part of the hunt. and catching you know the the raw emotion and experiences as they happen. So I'm really excited to to do this project and you know see how it turns out. So there'll be a lot of you know content coming out after after I get back here from from Colorado and hopefully some success stories to go along with that. So if anyone's out there elk hunting, good luck to you and shoot straight. In addition to that, I will be when I'm above treeline. I should be able to have cell cell reception. So when that does happen, I will be posting to the Instagram story on my personal page at bow, B E A U dot Martonic, as well as the East Meets West Hunt page at East Meets West Hunt on Instagram, and trying to you know give some updates on there. And and lastly right now the pre-order is up for the coveted hashtag rut stash t-shirts so those are up on the website now they're live uh kayleen cohen did an amazing job you know designing this logo for me and i think it turned out great these shirts have been a hit so far since the since the release of the pre-order here so uh if you get a chance go over uh order yourself a rut shirt and su- they should be done sometime around the time I get back and I'll be shipping right after then. So, check those out and see what you think. Otherwise, everyone again have a, you know, safe hunting season as you get started here and enjoy this podcast with Brandon Hall. All right, we're back for another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. I'm sitting here with my buddy Brandon Hall. What's going on, guys? I met Brandon last year at the Train to Hunt event at Ambridge Sportsman Club in Pennsylvania. So Brandon and I both had signed up for the event separate as um, to go in solo. Yeah, I guess yeah.
0: going in I had no idea who Bo Martonic was.
1: <laughs> so we, we went in uh, solo and ended up being kind of partnered up on the 3D part of the event and just ended up talking through there, shooting together. Um, you know, Brandon watched me, you know, fling arrows off of trees and everything.
0: Nah, man, you didn't do none of that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we lost any arrows, did we? No, we shot pretty good. Uh, yeah.
1: We shot good. I think you, I think you went into the, uh, I think you went into the next part of the event, the challenge course, pretty high up in there from. Yeah. Recruiting. I
0: think after the 3D course, I was, uh, what was it? Number eight. I think I shot like an 88, um, which was pretty good. Um, I was surprised. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, you did. You did excellent.
0: But the the challenge course that that's what brought me way down.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, you did excellent there. So, then, um, that so anyways, so you know, Brandon and I did the did the train hunt event. had a Had a pretty good time there. You know, kind of got our asses kicked as far as um, <laughs> just it was it was tough. It was, it was really tough. You know, um, every all the different parts of the event seemed like they were simple I'm like oh i can do that you know i could do that and then you get into it and it's uh it's a lot more than that
0: yeah but the crazy thing is is that you're out here and and you're doing all this and and you're just about to the point where you're gonna puke i mean the way i was anyway you you know you do these burpees and then you have to run a, what was it a third of a mile or something and run back you know and then do it all over again, and you're like, "Oh man, this sucks so bad." And then you're up on the mountain, and you can't even hardly run. You're just trying to push yourself, push yourself, and it's wet, slippery, and uh, I mean, guys are coming down just covered in mud where they f- fell down the mountain. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was a muddy yeah, mess. It was. We
1: had we had I don't know how much rain, but before that, the uh, days before, I mean, it was just yeah. like almost flood condition rain yeah. event.
0: But what I was gonna say is is that you know it, when you're doing it it sucked but when it was over with you're like man i wouldn't mind doing that again sometime you know yeah <laughs> yeah for some reason right <laughs> i don't <laughs> know if it's just stupidity or what.
1: i think it's kind of like hunting though we you know do that sometimes you know it's yeah. miserable
0: so and... the whole term of uh <laughs> in embracing the suck that's what that was yeah
1: yeah i, I think i've heard someone say <laughs> that before <laughs> but anyways yeah that was uh that was a fun event and that, that's where i first met brandon and since then we just kind of stayed in touch
0: yeah we um and you know and it's not just you know you and i meeting; it's the other people we met too and what we've been saying the whole weekend here is that every time we go to one of these events we meet somebody new and we build more relationships and and majority of the people that you meet are just good honest people Mm -hmm. it's not like you're out here you know got a bunch of dicks hanging around you you know i mean you're i mean they're good people yeah um somebody that you can you know, trust and, and put your faith in, to, you know, to get you, know, if you're going back country hunting, you know, they've got your back and you got their back. Yeah. And if you don't have that trust and stuff like that, ain't no point in even going with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, they were, uh, so, so many good people. I mean, I've, I've kept in touch with, I'd say 90% of the people yep. that that we ran the event with. It was, it was pretty awesome.
0: And oh, uh, Bill up there, Bill Edel. Yeah. He's, he, he pushes that thing like crazy, man. The Ambridge sporting Sports Club.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he, they put the whole group there. Bill and Tim, they put on yeah. an amazing event. They put an amazing event there, and then, and uh, and Kenton and the crew at Train to Hunt. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's an awesome event. I recommend anybody that that wants to do something, push themselves a little bit to sign up for a Train to Hunt event. Even if you think you're not ready, just do it. Yeah. you'll complete it, get through it. Yeah, maybe harder than you think, maybe easier. Who knows? I'm I'm gonna guess it's harder, but. Um. <laughs> anyways, yeah. That's uh. That's the gist of that. So, anyways, Brandon and I, you know, we stayed in touch. He's from North Carolina. I'm from Pennsylvania, and so a little bit of distance involved there. But, but uh, we had something in common last year. We were go- we were going on a backcountry hunt, um, different states. Yeah. But uh, same goal. Yep. Elk. Elk. Well, and you were after antelope as well.
0: Well, I had I had the elk, deer, and antelope tag. So okay. I had a I had a three part there <laughs> okay but um
1: so anyways uh brandon tell us a little bit about where you're from in north carolina
0: all right so i am from the eastern part of north carolina we call that the coastal plains region um i'm about hour and a half south of raleigh about 45 minutes maybe from wilmington so as far as an hour drive i can be at the beach and uh that's just where i have grew up i was born there lived there um my only brief stint away was uh in college i went to raleigh which is you know only hour and a half away uh spent a couple years there for school um but where i'm at is virtually flat i mean i think our our elevation is maybe like 40 60 feet above sea level
1: so similar to you know colorado montana yeah yeah man you get up there (laughs) about
0: denver you know it's about the same elevation yeah no um that's a big change going from you know 40 feet to eight thousand feet yeah you know um the thinness of the air just you know that that right there will just suck the life out of you when you're you're hiking and you're hiking hard and you just feel like you can't catch your breath and and just not used to it yeah um but uh but yeah that's you know that's where i'm from the You know where the state bird is the mosquito.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I mean a lot of people. I mean North Carolina is a beautiful state, but for me the the humidity, the bugs. Yeah, man, the humidity is
0: (laughs) terrible. I mean, you can at certain days in the summer you can take a knife and just cut the air. I mean, yeah.
1: (laughs) So yeah, man. So, uh, with with being from North Carolina there and going out west, what are kind of your your challenges with? how do you get ready i'm just going to go straight to a physical standpoint because you know any i mean no matter what i believe that you know you can you can go out there and you can hunt no matter what your physical condition is to a point but obviously it makes it a little bit easier if you're in shape so what were you doing to to do that obviously the train to hunt but i want yep. to hear a little bit more
0: yep the train to hunt was for me <clears throat> it was more of a motivator to 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 help get you in shape um Basically, I went online. You know, for Train to Hunt, I went online, figured out what scenarios we were going to be doing, what exercises or what exactly we were going to be doing, and I just practiced that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I had me a little course set up with a tire drag. I had a, had a box where I was doing stepovers and uh, sandbags, you know, carrying all that, doing the over-the-shoulders, the burpees, um, all that stuff, uh, running. But the biggest thing that, that prepared me, or help prepare me is just lower body and core workouts you know i think you know that article that i helped you out with for journal mountain hunting you know i said that you know curls are good but they're not going to get you up the mountain
1: <laughs> yeah you know
0: i mean the arms you know they're good but they're just not going to do it so your core lower body that's what's going to carry you up the mountain mm-hmm. and so a lot of guys you see go to the gym they're just benching doing curls you know stuff like that curls for the girls yep curls for the girls and uh not really working lower body and so what
1: what uh what's so important about your core
0: for working core there? is i mean stability the biggest thing for me you're out there walking on you know you're side healing and you're on rocks and you're slippery and i mean anything can happen anytime and you know foot slips you got to be able to use your upper body to balance yourself to catch yourself or i mean you're going down
1: yeah yeah and, and even for you know carrying the pack oh yeah yeah the pack yeah bending definitely. over anything like that your, your core is one of the biggest things that i learned because and not just because of the I mean, the stability is probably the biggest factor of it. One thing I noticed for me was your lower back will get extremely sore from carrying a lot of weight on a backpack style hunt or if you're packing out meat, which it may anyway, depending on the weight. But to reduce that, if you strengthen your core you know, and your abdomen region, it helps support your back. So they kind of go in conjunction with each other. And it that that was that was big for me. I I remember when I first started, you know, putting weight in the pack, getting ready for the, the first hunt, and I'm like, my back's killing me. That so you still have to get your back into shape, right. but that's what they were. That's what they told me yeah. um, at with They're like, you need to get in, you know, you need to get core in shape. You, <laughs> you to get, get in, in shape. <laughs> I'm like, well, I thought I was in shape. It's like,
0: nope. <laughs> Round is a shape, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But uh, anyways, so what else as far well, as um so, for your legs and stuff?
0: So what I do is a lot of running. Um, some people just hate running like yourself. I think, I think yeah. you told me you're not a big fan of running. No, I do. <laughs> it, but I hate it. <laughs> well, it's not my favorite thing, but you know, when you have a, a, a end goal, you're trying to reach. And for me, that end goal is to be able to get on that mountain and not have that mountain kick my butt to a point where I can't keep going after that elk or that mule deer or whatever I'm after. And, so when I'm out there running, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm, I'm I'm listening probably to a podcast in my headphones of somebody talking about hunting or you know wh- wh- whatever it is that's interested me at the time, whether it be, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll listen to Brian Call and the Gritty Bowman. I'll listen to, you know, Snyder on Kafaro Cast, um, Stephen Stephen Ranella, which is great. I love listening to Stephen. You know, but but anyway, you know that that stuff. Listening to those guys as I'm doing it, it motivates me, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing you know, I'm I'm running and I'm thinking about you know heading up this hill to get to this elk that's bugling on the other side. You know, I I, I want to be able to see that next hill and go after it, and not be like oh, it's too far. I'm not doing it today. You know, I don't I don't want to be that guy, mm-hmm. especially if I'm hunting with somebody else who's in, you know, top shape and they're ready to roll, and I'm like, man, we I can't do it. I don't I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of running, a lot of um uh doing a lot of squats and stuff like that with the you know, squat rack, uh dead deadlifting. Mm-hmm. uh one of the things that i when I run sometimes I'll go down to the beach and I think I put that in that, that article that I sent you. Uh just running in sand is that's tough if, if you've never done it. I mean, especially the soft sand. It's yeah, tough beach. on your feet and everything too. Well, it's not 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 as so much as on the as feet. far as being sore, but the the biggest thing it gets is like your calves, like your mm-hmm. Achilles, your calves, um, and that's that seems to strengthen that up real good. And it gives you that sand. You know, it's not like running on asphalt or grass. You've got a lot of instability in the sand, and so that strengthens your ankles, in my opinion. You know? Yeah.
1: So. Um, no, it makes sense.
0: Which is good, you know, if you're up there, like I was saying a while ago, about side healing, and you hit that slippery rock, and you just, you know, your ankle turns up If you don't have a stiff boot on, you know, you, you want that stability in your ankle and, yeah. and lower legs, calves. So, um, so I've done that, and, and, you know, living at sea level, pretty much, it's a challenge. You know, I can get out there and run six miles without stopping, but I might gain, you know, 20 feet in elevation, you know. So... Uh, one of the other things that i've done there's uh i can i'll drive up to raleigh every now and then and i think there's a course there i can get a couple hundred feet in elevation mm-hmm. around the lake and uh um also i was in school with north carolina state university and uh they have a uh, uh like a 10 story library and so i'd run up the steps of it you know a couple times run up Come back down easy, you know, and then run back up, come back. I did that, you know, two or three times and, um, and just do it fast, you know, hit every step, you know, and I'm, I'm not skipping steps, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. just pumping, you know, the whole way up. Uh, but just stuff like that, you've got to, um, just think about it, you know, ways to find heels, you know, find ways to Mm -hmm. to do it without, you know, if you don't have a gym to go to.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you were showing me a picture of uh, The other day, where how you were practicing to oh. come shoot here. <laughs> so I want you to explain that with with you know with this not being on video. Try to explain yeah. um, through the
0: through the headset here. Oh what man, this might be tough. I'm gonna have to pull it up on my phone so I can look, look at it and tell you. All right, so all right here at TAC, you know they total archery challenge. The courses are set up on ski slopes, so you know it's not flat not flat at all i mean you're taking extreme angle shots i mean I, i'm I'm looking at the the caribou target now That's uh i think somebody says 115 yards
1: yeah somewhere so
0: there. And, and and the angle it's got to be a 30 degree angle 25 30 degree angle uphill at least and uh you know i have no way to practice that at home no way whatsoever uh so what I've got is some 3D targets. Um And the one in particular that I, I did this to was an antelope that I'd bought to prepare myself for the western antelope I had. Uh, that's one of the tags I had in Montana. Um So I have this cable in my yard that's connected to two trees. And I threw a rope over it and a pulley. And I attached this decoy or this uh, 3D target to a rope and a pulley and I just jack it up in the air and it's probably 40 feet in the air, you know? And so it's just hanging in the air above my building. You know, there's nothing behind it. There's you know no here. If I miss, you know, that air is gone. You're never going to find it. It's going to go for a mile. It seems like, but, um, so like I said, it's 40 feet in the air and I just back up, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet, all the way out to 60 yards, just trying that, that extreme angle, you know? And, uh, so that's, you know, for me, that was an extreme angle. Come out here, and it's like a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, from that caribou, uh, there's probably a hundred foot or more of elevation between the uh, where you stand at and where you shoot that caribou. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. So do you, I mean, do you think do you think that helped you out? And oh yeah, yeah. What? Yes, it was. It just gave you another perspective.
1: So what? Uh, you know, there's challenges with shooting angles, and that's why shooting in your backyard is cool and everything. Yeah. But practicing at angles and going to 3d events and stuff is a big deal right i mean okay so your peep position where the way you look through your peep your anchor points all that feels like it's changing it may not be but it's going to slightly bending it you know your waist there's a bunch of different mechanics that, that go into that and you have to figure it out how it feels because it is different it's just it, no matter how which way you look at it it feels different yeah and in a lot of the western states and even a lot of the appalachian mountain region it, you're not shooting flat you're shooting down whether that's out of a tree stand whether that's you know down off a ridge or you know just anything like that or you know up a ridge so
0: yeah so yeah that was that was my my deal with the the train the the coming the tra- uh, total archery challenge uh trying to practice for it so
1: yeah so um
0: and uh, another thing i wanted to do was um you know with with your extreme angles your your line of sight distance is going to be different than your actually shooting distance you know you got to compensate for that and i wanted to to check that with my rangefinder the best that i could you know um, with that you know these these angles here are a whole lot more extreme than this uh target that i've got hung up but uh you know, even then, I was still having to cut off two or three yards, you know, mm-hmm. according to the rangefinder, and then actually my sight tape was saying the same thing. So, okay, because if you don't, you're going you're going to hit high or miss. Yep. So.
1: Yeah, no, that's definitely something to note. So, last year you went on was it your first Western trip? Right?
0: No, I actually went in 2016 to South, South Dakota for an antelope okay. hunt. Yep, went on an antelope hunt. <laughs> But last year was my first trip for elk and mule deer out west. Okay. Um, Went to southeastern Montana. It was a limited draw area. Um, Surprised that I actually drew an elk tag on my first go around. It's archery only. Um, I know guys has put in for rifle tags there for the last 10 years and still haven't got one. So it's a a tough area to draw a rifle tag. Um, Bow tag, I think, is about 50% every other year Mm -hmm. they say you'll draw, but... I got it on the first time. Um, There was uh, four other guys that went. Um, Only two of us drew uh, elk tags. The other guys had deer tags, so they were hunting deer at the same time we were hunting elk. But uh, it was great. I I enjoyed it. Um, Yeah, so uh, tell us a a little
1: bit about um, what were some things that you didn't expect
0: from going there and learn from it? (laughs) Probably the to the biggest thing is, is make sure you go with the right people. <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Uh you know
1: with the same goals in mind
0: is what you're the getting. The same goals, the same mindset. Um uh, you know, um these guys have been hunting this same place for many years now and you know, they have their way of doing things and just found out that it's not the same way that I do things. Um so I think they might be a little bit lax in the the way they do it um you know man i've one of the guys i've grew up with him my whole life and never hunted with him uh but i mean they're all good people it's just you know one one morning in particular i I shot an elk um i was able to call him in to me to 20 yards and get a quarter and away shot at 30 yards and uh, uh unfortunately we couldn't recover him um we tracked him uh, probably a thousand yards I'm thinking maybe I just hit one lung you know he just went forever um but that morning all the guys stayed in bed I was you know we every morning we would get up and go to a spot glass and um and if it wasn't happening then they just go back to the house you know that we were staying at and uh so I was like I, you know they just wasn't after it you know it was like if it's not happening right now if the wind's not right you know, that's it for the day. You know, we're not going to try to push it. We're not going to try to get around the wind and major- and the main reason they just wasn't in shape. I mean, they, they, I mean, I'm already to the top of the mountain. They're halfway up sucking air, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to get to our glassing spot, you know, and they're just peeling off clothes, pouring sweat, you know, and probably, you know, way overweight than what they need to be. Um, but, but for,
1: for the most part too, is um, from what what you're saying is, that kind of holds you back from yeah, all man. the all the preparation you did and everything that you, you know, you worked on because you, your hunting partners just didn't have the same goals. And maybe, you know, and what their goals are, are fine. But it's not right for you right. to be able to be, you know, yep. involved in the same thing.
0: Yep. And so, you know, in the mornings and the evenings, we were after elk. During the day, I was chasing mule deer or antelope during the day. Um, I, I did finally get an antelope uh with a fifty five yard shot that was that was pretty neat um I caught him at a uh um at a cattle trough or a watering trough and uh there was a, a doe there that he was more interested in her than he was in us walking by <laughs> so, yeah and so he gave me a shot, so I took it and so that was that was pretty cool yeah you know, antelope and realize how how tough those things are um, yeah, and you know you look you see them on t v they don't look that big, but when you're actually Dressing one out and and all that, it's, he's they're pretty solid yep, yep, animal, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the neck on him, man, is at least at least that time of year was he's got he had a big neck. That's awesome. So, but um, yeah, I I would say for for the the Montana trip, the biggest thing I learned was just make sure you go with the hunting partners that you can trust that you can, uh, you know, if you if you're gonna be in the back country for seven days, ten days. Trust them, you gotta trust them with your life. I mean, there's there could be times where they could, you know, possibly kill you. Mm-hmm. Um the situation I was in wasn't quite like that. They just they just didn't hunt the way I wanted to hunt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just it's just a personal preference. They 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 didn't want to get out there and pressure the elk at all. You know, if it if it basically didn't walk by, they well it yeah. wasn't gonna have it, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the morning that they all stayed in the bed and I went, I did the same thing they did, went to the top and uh no elk whatsoever and so i just hit the ridge go on down about half a mile um bugling every now and then cow calling and i finally had one bugle back at me and and it was game on then (laughs) game on so and to have him at 20 yards you know slobber just drilling out of his mouth uh bugling i think he bugled three times right there at 20 yards um just the hair on the back of my neck standing up. I mean, oh man, that's got man. I, I've I've seen that. That's like you that's, absolutely fired up. I've, you know? I've, I've I've never done drugs before, but that's got to be better than crack. You know. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that adrenaline rush, and and you, you know your brain kind of goes straight to mush thinking about it. Exactly, know? and that's
0: and that's probably what happened for the majority of of why I didn't kill that that elk is because in that situation. You know, it wasn't like, because whenever I seen him, he was probably at forty yards. It was kind of a thick area, and when he'd come in the opening, he was at twenty. So I could hear him coming down. He was bugling. He was, he was making this sound. It's like almost like a moan, or something. I, I can't even describe it really. But, um, you know, he comes down to twenty yards, and he's standing. Sh- Face or his his chest is facing me, but his head is looking downhill, and you know that's that's no shot that I wanted to take. You know frontal on my first time out, which you know I hear people say that's you know you know a a high percentage shot if you put it in the right place, but Mm -hmm. but basically.
1: But you you were using mechanical broadheads though too. No no,
0: on this trip I had I had fixed blades. Okay. The South the South Dakota trip I was on I had mechanicals. Okay. um, which Um, Which I found out real quick is not good for spotting and stalking. (laughs) <laughs> that's what I was telling somebody, the, the the research that I did going out west, you know, I was in the, the gear, clothing, you know, weather, terrain, everything. And nowhere, anywhere did it say anything about using mechanicals for spotting and stalking, about how that's a, you know, a bad idea for the most part.
1: So why is it a bad idea?
0: Well, what was happening is I'd have an arrow knocked. You know, whenever we got close to an animal and we may would have to move, you know, 10 yards, 20 yards or, you know, he would go over the hill. We have to rush it to get back up to him and I'd get set up and look and I'd have a blade deployed where it's hit a branch or a grass or something. that's just deployed out. And uh, so, I mean, I don't want to get into specifics of brands or whatever, but um, so that happened probably half a dozen times. You know, because I mean, we we did on a bunch of stalks. You know, several stalks a day, um, which which is cool about antelope hunting. You know, you screw up a stalk, you're just go get on another one.
1: <laughs> so was it a was it a rear deploying head or what, what uh, kind of how was it deployed? Just so like you know, because I'm not all mechanicals are, you know right. created equal right. as far as the way that they deploy. Some you know deploy from the front. Some you know are like a slip cam type style. What
0: I, I guess you would consider this a. a a slip cam because it doesn't fold back it slides in and out okay so um that's the type of of, uh, mechanical i was using there yep okay so um and 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 really you could just take that blade and just pop it out with your finger it's just a little band holding it holding it on you know and um and i actually think they may have changed the collar that they they used to hold that blade on maybe okay Maybe, cause the one that I had. Are you referring like, to Rage broadheads? <laughs> I am. <laughs> no, then, you might as well. Yeah, you know, people need to know what. Yeah, yeah, what, that's what it was. With it. It was the Rage broadheads. Um, the ones that I had, they have like a rubber O ring, and the blade actually has a little clip in it. And that's what holds it down. Mm-hmm. And I think they've actually got like a plastic collar now. Maybe.
1: Yeah, they have changed the design yeah. a little bit. So um, that that. But I yeah. haven't
0: I haven't used the plastic collar. So the experience that I had was with the. The rubber O ring mm-hmm. and just the slightest movement would kick that blade out. Okay, um, which was kind of aggravating, nerve wracking You know, every time you moved, you had to double check, and so
1: yeah. No, that's that's a that's a good thing to know. And at least what you're saying is just look into it. The yeah. less things that can go wrong, yeah, the better. Exactly. I
0: mean, and there's guys out there that, that use me- spot stock mechanicals every year. Yeah. I mean, it's probably thousands of them that do it. But for me. I don't feel comfortable with it yeah you know i mean everybody's got their opinion and and that's that's mine and that's a big one for me Mm -hmm. i I will not go spotting and stalking with a mechanical
1: so cool so what uh what heads you using now
0: i am using the iron wheel broadheads okay um uh, the guy's out of colorado of uh what's the name of his town van buren maybe i can't remember um but anyway uh bill he's the guy that owns it and uh great guy I, I met him um at uh phil Mendoza's shop there in denver uh for a seminar that phil put on back in december uh he had some heads there he was giving away and i was checking them out and i was like man these things look pretty cool you know it's a solid broad head um so i ordered a three pack earlier in the year practice with them i mean at, at 100 yards grouping with my field points i was just amazed by that because uh, yeah. i had a hard time finding the fixed blade on my montana trip I, I was back and forth between three different heads, um, trying to figure out which one flew with my field point because I want to practice with my field points, obviously, and, you know, shoot the broadheads, you know, at the animals. So I would practice with broadheads and field points, and just getting them to group the same was tough. Um, uh, for my Montana trip, I ended up with the, uh, tro- trocars, the muzzy trocars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which are, you know, a great head. Um, but I just wanted something a little bit different. The the uh, the trocars aren't really what you'd call a cut on contact. They've got the uh, the chisel tip. Chisel up tip. Yep. 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 And the uh, I I was just a little bit skeptical about the steep angle of the blades. You know, it's got that chisel point, and then the blades are really steep. You know, I feel like maybe that might cause some stopping power or something. So the elk that I shot, I shot him with the trocar quartering away i got an entrance did not get an exit wound um and actually he broke the arrow off probably about six or eight inches from the knot and had blood all the way up to the fletchings so um i mean i got some penetration it's just you know elk are so broad it just didn't get a pass through i don't know if yeah. i come through and hit the shoulder on the other side or rib or whatever but uh it just didn't work, work out on recovering him with that On then that that, that situation basically. yeah no that's uh that, that's pretty good and then those iron wool
1: heads are also something that uh i'm going to be trying out this year for the most yep. part so
0: yeah and so the, the three that i bought I, I liked them i actually shot two turkeys with them this year so I, I practiced with them all three of them just to get some to check the grouping um shot a turkey with one and used the same one on the second turkey and so and never sharpened his blade so i mean it there's some sharp stuff, and the yeah. stuff he makes it out of. I mean, they're they are pricey, but what I've come to find out with this stuff is you get what you pay for. I mean, his broadheads heads have a lifetime warranty. Um, uh, if you bend it, break it, send it in, you get a new one.
1: Yeah, I did. Uh, I th- I think he was saying that you can shoot you can shoot those into a target a lot of times right. and still pull it out and shave your arm with it. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah, but he was saying that you could shoot. I can't remember what it's like half a dozen times, yeah. and it's still sharper than a lot of other broadheads out of the factory.
1: You know? Yeah, that's yeah, that's what he was saying because you know a lot of people ask why don't you have practice blades? Well, that's why. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty awesome and shows with the the sharpness and and the attention to detail. And I I don't, I mean yes, they are they are definitely expensive. So that you know, but if you're going on a a hunt. This is this is my right. thought on it where you going is if you're going on a hunt where you're going to hunt elk or mule deer or something that's out of your comfort zone you maybe once in a lifetime chance, then I want everything to perform perfectly yep. Does it need to? probably not but I really think that that's a that's a big thing that uh, if you have the extra money you can work for the extra money do whatever. I, I would go with something like yeah. that.
0: Minimizing your risk out there, <laughs> yeah. Wh- whatever you can do to make yourself comfortable, and uh, and a lot, lot of times it's just it's mentally confident on stuff. You know, I mean, if it's like I've got a particular bow that I had issue with out there in Montana, and I uh, I have no confidence in that bow anymore at all, so I don't even shoot it anymore. So I mean right now I've got a a Prime bow Prime Synergy that I got and I'm um, loving it. So but you know if you don't have confidence in something it's not going to work for you.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah 100%. You got to have confidence in your gear. It doesn't matter if your bows 10 years old or if it's brand new. You right. got to know your equipment right. in and out.
0: And that's that's like Greg. Um what's his last name? litzinger litzinger He. um yeah, he's got a, a was it a Matthews? No, it was no. a new
1: new breed archery, I believe.
0: Okay, but well, anyway, that thing was what ten years old,
1: something like that. Yeah, yeah.
0: and he's he's like what a state champ archer yeah. for yeah. Uh, Jersey, Un-
1: unbelievable shooter. Yeah. yeah,
0: and so it's like he was saying too, it's not always about the bow; it's about the shooter. I mean, he can take that old bow, it's tuned perfectly for him, mm-hmm. and he can shoot lights out. He
1: practices every day.
0: Yeah, he does practices every day. You know? So. exactly so
1: all right man do you have anything else you want to add to uh, this this podcast here i'm sure we're gonna we'll have you on again here as you get ready to head to colorado this year for yep, elk yep. now I'm so going to
0: colorado um and you're going back to colorado uh, i believe so yep Yep. You believe so?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to Colorado. <laughs> I say that because, you know, I, my mind always switches, yeah. but I'm going, I'm going to Colorado. Yeah.
0: What, what, what does they say about Colorado? Is the land of opportunity or something? It
1: is. Yeah. There's a lot to do in Colorado. It's one of the few
0: places you can go and get an archery tag over the counter.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's quite a few states that you can, but there's more over the counter opportunities okay. than just about anywhere. Um, Montana probably right in there with them, but other than that, it's, it's pretty awesome and the bit and you know barrier entry is a lot easier yeah. than some other states which does get more hunting pressure because yep. of that but it there it's it is the land of opportunity in my opinion so
0: yeah and, and you know i'm gonna get the elk tag um when i get there because it's over the counter but i also applied for uh deer tag and i, I guess it's going to come out what in a few days the draw results yeah i think it does yeah like the sixth or fifth or sixth something like that so i'll find out if i got that which i think somebody was telling me for that area is like a 50 50 shot and whether or not you get it and um i'll probably end up getting a bear tag or trying to get a bear tag too. get a bear tag just because you know if i go out there and don't get one i'll see 20 bears if i go out there if i get a tag i probably won't see one at all but
1: spend (laughs) the money on the bear tag man i i I made that mistake last year, saw so many bear it was ridiculous. I mean that, wow. that population is once they got rid of the spring bear hunt, yeah, it was crazy. I mean color phased bear, beautiful bears and they're and they're supposed to be unbelievable eating because they're feeding on berries. Yeah. They're not you know, they're like some of the some of the, eastern, some of the eastern some of the eastern they well, they probably eat fish out of the lake, but like some of the eastern bears that are eating trash and a lot of things yeah. like that. So yeah. but Anyways, all right, buddy. Well, uh, again, thanks for having you on, and I uh, hope you have a safe trip back to North Carolina right. yep, today.
0: Yeah, man, I hope so too. We got about an eight-hour drive ahead of us here shortly.
1: All right, and, man. Um,
0: so what's your slogan again? Bonos. Bonos. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, see appreciate you, Appreciate it, man.